0: I'm privileged to have Dr. Ferial Adam as my guest today. She's the manager of WaterCan, another Outer initiative, and we are very proud to have somebody with your talent on board, Ferial, Tell us a bit about yourself and your history with Outer.
1: Thank you, Ilse, for those kind words. I describe myself as an environmental justice activist or climate justice activist. I've been in the environmental and climate sector for a very long time. And it's my passion. It's what you know, keeps me going. I joined Outa or WaterCan soon after my PhD. And um, it's been an amazing road so far. I love that the organisation does not see obstacles, but finds ways of overcoming them and that for me is is just drives me every day
0: your phd was in what exactly
1: so i looked at citizen science and environmental justice in south africa's water sector because citizen science is not something that's new it's been around for decades if not centuries but how do we take that uh citizen science and transform it into action or activism And that is what I looked at. Okay, we'll get back
0: to citizen science just now. But just for the listeners' benefit,
1: you've got a longer history with ATA. Tell us about that. That is true. Uh, I was the chairperson of the board for a number of years, which was a different role, very interesting role, because you see things in a different perspective. So I think for me to then join as someone, as an employed person, You have to adjust your brain, but it also allows you to understand how decisions are made and understand the direction and understand the bigger strategic outputs, which I think sometimes if you just have one view, you miss the kind of narrative or the message. Yes, and I think it's
0: very different sitting in the boardroom to be out there like you are, Testing water, fighting the good fight, and really challenging authorities and mindsets every single day. Let's get back to citizen science. It's, to me, a very interesting concept. You say that it's been around for a long, long time. Please tell us a bit more. And also, how do you incorporate
1: uh, citizen science into Watercan's work? So citizen science as a term was only coined more recently, I would say, in the late 80s, early 90s. But the idea has been old. So it's ordinary people doing science. And if we look at some of the earliest inventions, the earliest findings, it wasn't someone who said they were a scientist, you know. They probably call themselves philosophers or artists. And, you know, the, like Leonardo da Vinci did a lot of drawings, et cetera. So it goes back a long time. It was only with industrialization where there was a move towards trying to corporatize the science. So it became a separate sector and you had to have particular skills. And then it was almost like if you're not a scientist, you don't have as much right to say whatever. And what citizen science is trying to do is to say that science affects us all. We all should be part of this whole process. We should not be afraid of something called science and that's what it's done. And so it's about democratizing science and making all people involved in their little bit. So a bird watcher, for example, there's an organization that's been doing bird watching for over a hundred years, but it's by ordinary people where they spot a bird, They submit the location, the picture, all of that. It's helping to track the species. And that's an important thing we need to do right now with climate change and how it's affecting our lives. So it's ordinary people doing simple things. And if you put it in a South African context, it's about getting rid of alien vegetation. It's about bird watching. It could be astronomy. It could be in the health sector. So there's a whole range of sectors and arenas that ordinary people are doing amazing things and finding amazing solutions. That's what citizen science is all about. Up until now, what has been happening is citizen science have been gathering data and then give it off to someone else or an expert, um, so to speak, to deal with. What I'm saying now is that No, it's not just about gathering data. We need to act on what we see and find.
0: So you've decided to harness the power of citizen scientists and activists around the country, and thus WaterCan was established. Uh, Please tell us a bit more about what WaterCan is all about.
1: WaterCan was established particularly to look at water, but we do look at some other elements of the environment, so in case people want to know. But the key thing here was the state of our water resources is a concern. But we, a few people in an office, and the rivers flow all over South Africa, how do we get a network of people across South Africa to monitor our water resources? And that's where WaterCan came from, was like, let's develop or let's build this network of citizen scientists across South Africa, in communities, in towns, in rural areas, in urban areas, and schools, let those people be the, the the guardians of our water. And that's where this whole idea of water can was established. So that's one of the things we're doing. But we also from that, from that monitoring, from testing water, and that's an important part of our work as well, is that we've worked with the laboratory in Free State to have a testing kit where people can test their tap water, their rivers, their streams for the quality of the drinking water that they have. So it's a very simple kit, it's not too expensive. Last year we did quite a bit of that in terms of a World Water Testing Week. It is that testing that we're saying, okay you've tested the water, now what? So through the Citizen Science Network we want to build the next steps for activists. What do you do if you find that your water is not good? Do you just tweet it? Do you just complain about it? How do we make sure that government, or if it's industry that's polluting, are held accountable? That is what Water Can is about. So as we were building this project and looking at, okay, people are testing, we getting the information, but. Other people can't see the information. They can't see what's being tested where. And the idea of a map came about. And we know that there are water quality maps that exist. The Department of Water and Sanitation has a particularly good one. The challenge for us is that in South Africa, there's a lack of accurate and meaningful information. They are maps, but can we trust those maps? And the case in point, Elsa, was what happened in KZN in December, where government says, ah, the beaches are clean and they're okay to swim in. But it was citizen science, it was citizen scientists who went and got samples and got the water tested that could show that actually it was high levels of E. coli. So that's what we were saying is that we need to have a map that this citizen science network when they test water can upload their data and everyone in South Africa can then go to this map and find accurate information about the water quality in the areas that they live or work or that they're traveling to. And that's what we're trying to build right now. So this map has taken quite a long time to develop because we needed to get the right parameters in. And, yeah, I'm happy to say that we're launching it. That is very exciting for us.
0: And if I understand it correctly, this is almost going to be real time. Not quite. It's not like the water was tested in the last hour but it's definitely much more up
1: to date than anything else you will find out there. Yes, that's that's the exciting thing is that as we send our test kits to people or people buy their test kits from the laboratory, there's instructions of how to upload the data to the map. And so they can do it as they testing. You know, it's just a quick uh, link. They need a Wi-Fi link and they can do it from their phone. They can take the data and do it from home but they can upload this information almost immediately and then they can see the information on this map. Okay do you have enough
0: uh, scientists, citizen scientists on board? Do you need more? Where can people get hold of the test kits? Tell us a bit more about that process.
1: So we definitely need more. Last year when we had our water quality testing week We had about 120 people around the country testing, whether it was tap water, rivers. It was really fun. I think that people wanted to test their tap water and some wanted to test rivers. etc. So we had this combination of of people testing. We sponsored those kits last year, but we we need to get more funding. We can't sponsor a lot of these uh, testing kits uh, right now. We can give sample kits to people to try it out. And then we are asking people, you know, it's to raise funds and to continue testing because a once off is not good enough. Your water changes all the time. So you could have a clean river today, but it could be that something happens down the line. So we're trying to get people to test on a monthly basis and to test, I would say for a year, it costs something of about maybe three to 4,000 Rand, if not less, and we're trying to help community groups to find sponsorships to be able to get a testing kit that will allow them to test once a month at least. And that's, that's our new challenge. For this year, we want to at least get 500 people out there testing on a regular basis.
0: And this isn't a nice-to-have in a country like South Africa. Um, it's actually a must-have to be able to test water regularly. Am I right?
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the things or one of the comments I've had was, well, we know our water's polluted, so what? The reality is a few things. One is we have to have the data to keep tracking. And it's about time that we change that mindset. So if we've been testing for six months, we have sufficient evidence to go to the municipality and say, something's really wrong with this water. You know, you said you'd clean it after the first one. It's not. You know six months down the line there's still high levels of E. coli or there's still high levels of nitrates or nitrites that we're finding in the water what are you doing about it and if we look at the issue with ESCOM and power people are fed up you know and I think that this is going to happen with water as well that people are going to want to hold people accountable for pollution whether it is a municipal manager Whether it's a municipality, whether it's an industry, whether it's an organization, people are going to be more concerned about their water and try to protect their water more, given that we have a short supply. Yes, and uh, speaking
0: about ESCOM, of course, ESCOM's load shedding affects something like water pumping and sewage systems. So it's absolutely essential that we keep an eye on water, especially with the problems that ESCOM raises in this regard. I want to ask you about something else. Last year, during the water can, testing week, you came across a municipality, I think it was some or other little town in the sticks where there was actually a problem found. You managed through that testing to pick the problem up. You alerted the municipality and it was fixed. So that is the kind of power citizens hold in their hands. Can you just tell us again what happened there? So in fact, there were a
1: few cases like that where people tested, and this one that you're talking about was in the Free State. It was in a small town in the Free State. We tested the water, then found that it was actually the, drink, the tap water that we tested. It wasn't a stream or a river. And we found high levels of E. coli in the tap water. So that would make people sick instantly. So obviously, we had to alert the municipality to this. And we thought, oh my word, we're going to have to go, you know, we've alerted them today, we're going to have to keep alerting them, we're going to have to send, like, phone people. Within an hour, they issued a boil notice in their town. A boil notice is if your water's polluted, basically the first step and the first precaution that the municipality issues is a boil notice. So you boil your water for more than three minutes, and then you can use it to drink, depending on the levels of the pollution, right? Right. And and we were astounded. Within an hour, there was a response and there was a continued response. We tested again. Uh, A few weeks later, we found still it was polluted and then they issued a notice again. So there are some municipalities that are mindful and do care that people's lives are at stake if they allow them to carry on drinking this water. We had similar instances in the, the Western Cape where... People found levels of E. coli in, um, I think it was close to the, it was close to the beach. It was was wilderness or george, one of those areas. Yes. Yes, It was, it was one of those areas. And similarly, we didn't have a quick response, but we did have a response. And of course, we do have examples where we've shown that the water's polluted and we've had no responses from the municipalities whatsoever. And then on some cases where we sent from pillar to post, That is my favorite, where it's like, oh, no, it's not my job, so send it to someone else. Bottom line for me, Elsa, is if you're in local government, I don't care if you are working on only electricity or only on water, but if there's something that's going to affect people's lives, it is your concern. You are the one that should then up the ante on it in local government, right? It shouldn't be, oh, this is not my concern. I work on energy. That's unacceptable.
0: For real, there's something that I find absolutely astounding. I manage one of Alta's social media channels and people easily say, We need this country fixed, but it's not my problem, it's not my responsibility. I pay taxes and I expect government to do this for me. But we must be surely by now clear on the fact that government and local government isn't willing to come to the party. What do you have to say to people saying this isn't my job, it's government's job?
1: I think we forget that a democratic society is not about going to the polls and voting. Voting is one part of a democracy other elements of a democracy is for the citizens to keep track is to watch if we don't then we're going to have a government that's going to run rampant and do as we see and what has happened so it is our responsibility and yes we must pay our taxes but it is our responsibility to make sure that things happen so for example simple example ilsa i have seen often Water overflowing in uh, streets, like you'll get a, you know, that something's burst or whatever pipe. And the water flows and flows and flows and flows for days. As a citizen, we need to correct that. We need to report it. Yes, it takes long, but I think that people do respond uh, to those kind of things. Another issue is we as citizens can't leave everything to government. I'm not saying they're not responsible, co- we as outer and water can we know that we're taking up a lot of issues that are government's responsibility but in terms of water there are a few things that i think is a concern one is we need to start with ourselves we litter we dump there's illegal dumping people who are involved in construction or building extra things in their houses leave the construction rubble on their pavements down comes heavy rain and floods the stormwater drains all of that then bursts the pipes, and then you create this kind of infrastructure that's damaged. So we also have a role to play to make sure that things work. And that's the step one. So definitely, we must play a role. And and when elections come up and people are coming to our houses to say, vote for us, we need to ask them, what are you going to do to make sure that our rivers are clean, that we're going to have safe, clean drinking water without... Interruptions for the next 20 years or so. Um, and that is how we must judge our political parties these days. I want to
0: get back to WaterCan and ask you about working with other organizations and also the training that you do. I know you've worked with HENOPS River Revival, um, I know you work with other water activists. And I also know that you've done webinars and that you train water activists in KZN. So tell us a bit more about everything you do at WaterCan.
1: So the one thing that uh, is clear about water is that everybody needs it. And if our water system is broken, it affects us all. Whether you're living in a lush suburb in Sandton or a rural area in KZN, water issues are going to affect us all. And that is why we have embarked on doing a few things. One is the training is important because there seems to be a blockage in people's minds that they can't test their water because you need a laboratory or you need experts. And so we have to change that mindset, create a- education and awareness, but then train people how to use the testing kit. You know, it's really simple. And for some people it will be like, you know, you're testing your pool water, etc. cetera, but there are people who don't have pools. So we have to do the training. We also have to explain to people how to upload, but with that training, we don't just do the science and the testing. We also do a little bit of where are decisions being taken about water? How do we change that? How do we become activists to monitor the water? So that it starts the questions and and builds that. So that's the training itself. We do webinars because I think that there's a lot that needs to be said about water. And there are a lot of really skilled people in our country. And I mean, skill, not just in qualification, but experience. And I also think that people need to understand for those who have not had water for like three years or so in their taps, what they're going through. It's about sharing an experience and having empathy for people in our country. That is the other thing. It's also about igniting and where someone else speaks about their challenges with the municipality or the fact that they don't have water, another person listening could hear this and it could ignite activism in them. Or it could say, actually, we're going through the same thing. How do we deal with this better?
0: Or oh, so it those can the... actually lead to an idea to say, look, we've done this and that because we've been in the same position.
1: Exactly. So those are the kinds of things we're doing. We do have two programs that we're focusing on uh, amongst all our other kind of plans. One is in KZN, uh, rural KZN. And one, we're trying to work partner with someone. He has already established his organization. He does river cleanups, but we want to just give him a little bit more support in terms of if you're doing the river cleanup, can you test, can you upload? And that is in Tembisa. So those are the two kind of focus things, but that's, that's not the only areas we're working on. We are partnering with a whole range of organizations. Um, one is Adopt a River in KZN. We having discussions with other organizations. We want to have, it's a hybrid event for human rights day. So we're partnering with Daily Maverick and Lawyers for Human Rights where we will have a panel discussion on human rights defenders in terms of uh, whistleblowers and environmental activists who get persecuted in South Africa and we'll have a a whistleblower speaking at that meeting. So, So we're doing those kind of things to create the awareness, to build the passion, to build people's interest in water and hopefully we will then get support we will later also on our website release a button, which is a donate now button. And that would go a long way for us to buy testing kits for people in areas where they cannot afford to raise the funds to buy them. And then we could also train them on how to use it. So that's some of the activities. Um, and then, of course, world water testing is in September. We would love people to. To sign up and join the World Water Testing uh, in September with us. If you can afford to buy a kit, that would be fantastic. In April and March, March is International Day of Action for Rivers, and as WaterCan, we're trying to get three focus areas on three rivers. So, we're looking at KZN, Western Cape, and Gauteng. We haven't defined it Clearly yet, it could either be a river cleanup, it could be uh, awareness around a river, it could be a petition around a river, but we need to take some kind of action around the rivers in those areas. So that we'll keep updating people on our website and announcing things on our social media spaces.
0: I just want to get back to the man from Tembi. As a journalist, I'm always interested in stories where one person woke up one morning and decided I cannot sit around and wait for somebody else to do something. Just tell us what this guy is doing. And, and he started out of his own
1: accord, am I correct? This is correct. Last year I went to Tembisa and if you look at the state of the river that flows through there, it's really heartbreaking. Uh, but he goes, he gets a team and he's volunteering, so he doesn't get paid. He gets uh, some sponsorship because he has a connection to other groups like Ups Revival, and then they'll try to share protective gear with him, so he can have boots, and uh, overalls and vests, etc., to go and pick up the litter. And um, you know, they they do they do massive amounts of cleanups. I mean, he's he's literally collected hundreds and hundreds of bags. I would say thousands, if not over the last year. The good thing is he then has developed a relationship with the municipalities. So, okay, we will pick up the the waste from the rivers, but you need to come and transport it to the dump site. And then they also work on recycling. So they they kind of sort out the waste that they find from the rivers. And if there are things that can be recycled, then it's taken to a recycling place. But the other Uh, other waste is then uh, taken to the landfill and the municipality has to play their part and pick up the dirt and take it. So he has established himself. He's very eager and his passion is just amazing. He keeps me going. So he's done that and we're saying, let's try and train. Um, He has about six other guys that he works with, you know, friends coming together, let's do this. And we said, okay, we'll train you all on how to test water and we'll give you a testing kit every month for the next year. So let's see how that goes.
0: And I think his story is an inspiration and should serve as an idea for many people around the country to do what they can. I know this isn't quite part of Watercan's work but seeing that I've got you here speaking about the environment, what about recycling? Why don't we recycle more in South Africa? Why don't we have The initiative, and you don't need a law for this, you just need to divide your own household rubbish into separate bags so that people can recycle what's recyclable.
1: What's your view on that? I absolutely agree. I think we can do much more. We, as a country, are running out of space for landfills, and we need to understand that that can't go on as is uh, presently. There are groups that are trying to get change and, you know, the guys that we see in the street with their trolleys, do you know they are responsible for collecting most of our recycling material in the country? So while you're driving around and think, oh my word, this guy with his trolley is in my way, he's one of a few thousand that are collecting waste door to door and are actually having it recycled. Serving the country and the planet. I think we need to also
0: say that out loud.
1: Yes, exactly. And so that needs to be acknowledged. There are people who are trying to push things and push government to be more aware of it. But I really think that we need to be more uh, proactive in how we respond to the, you know, plastic in particular. There are some amazing people doing stuff on plastic and, and recycling and all of that. But I think that we need to have stronger policies around the source. So someone can spend the rest of their lives cleaning up rivers of plastic waste because there's just so much and it's continuous. The source of it is not coming to an end. I can't believe that in this day and age we're still using polystyrene in this country.
0: Yes, yeah, around the world they're using different packaging. Yes,
1: and we need to move towards that. There are places that are doing that, but it's not quick enough. And for as long as we have plastics having the rain over our lives, we're going to have plastic waste in our food, in our our water, in our soil. And it's causing underlying health issues that, you know, that are happening because of microplastics in our water. Mm. We can't get rid of it right now, but we can surely stop it from getting worse.
0: Feryl, you've also been at the courts protesting with our guys in the Sassel case. Please tell us a bit about the Sassel pollution case here in the Valtra Angle.
1: It was actually the plant in Secunda. It was actually the whistleblower from Sassel, who will be at our human rights panel in March, who highlighted that Sassel was knowingly allowing high levels of pollution into the river. And it included... A vanadium, and some other products that were cancer-causing products. Government has actually taken Sassel to court on that because they found uh, the high levels of pollution. And the court case started last year. It was postponed to early this year, which was uh, 13th of January. It was postponed again to April. So it's what companies do, right? They've got so much money in their lawyers, they can just keep postponing it and finding nitty gritties to postpone it. But the good thing is that there's action and government's holding them accountable so that other polluters must know that they can't get away with things. The, the challenge, Ilsa, is that right now, the biggest polluter is government with sewage and getting away with it. But I'm hoping that the Sassel case would... Kind of make them realize that we, you know, people are not going to be sleeping on it, and water activists are rising up everywhere and will challenge them. Okay, I've got a last question
0: on the state of water and the work government is doing. You now pointed out that they did go after Sussel, but in general, are you, as a water activist and the manager of Watercan, are you happy? with what is happening in the Department of Water, for instance, because under previous ministers, the Department of Water was in absolute chaos.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that this minister, Minister Nkunu, has been doing a good job. He's got a DG that's really smart and doing a good job. I don't want to say it's too little too late because they are making changes and they're making brave changes. And I would would hate for that minister to be changed because... For about, I would say, 15 years, we had terrible ministers of water and sanitation that just destroyed the system, destroyed the department, destroyed the morale within that department. And clean so, out the
0: funds, let's be honest. They, <laughs> and, they were very, very corrupt people in there.
1: Exactly. And so I'm hoping that there's, you know, when you, the thing with government is when a minister's doing well, then they move them and they move them to another department and then they'll give us some other stickler. But I'm hoping that this minister stays, I really do, because we really, really need a a clear focus on our water and I must say this minister seems to have that. I'm a little bit more hopeful uh, from what I've seen. And that is Minister Senzo Mchuno. Yes, yes,
0: yes. yes. Okay, closing thoughts on Watercan, your message to
1: people listening, how to get involved. Thanks Ilse. You know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking when I started as an environmental activist a very, very long time ago, I was talking about climate change. And I remember people looking at me as if I was insane, like this is not going to happen. And like, I'm just a scaremonger, dial it down to where we are now. Climate change is on everyone's lips. We are living it. We are seeing the impacts. It's what we said was going to happen. and and so. I think that in terms of our water, we really, really have to stop the pollution, we have to look at ways to protect it, because it is at a critical point. And we need as many supporters. If you cannot go out and, you know, form a group and talk about water, support us, support our, you know, donate now button, we need all the help we can get. But even You know, Ilse, even just knowing, if people drop us an email, on whether they're on social media or an email, to say, we support WaterCan. We just need to know that we're reaching out to people. If you are doing water work, let's collaborate, let's build this network. We don't want to take over anyone. We want to just build a network, share the experience, and it's through that that I think we can fix this.
0: Watercan also has a website so you can have a look at watercan.org.za and of course they are on Twitter. Uh, Please support them on Twitter, like their account, follow their work, retweet their work and in that way we can spread the message that Watercan, a proud division of Outa, is doing the good work when it comes to water. My guest today was Dr. Ferial Adam, she's the manager of water Watercan division, uh, environmental activist, and a woman to be reckoned with. Ferial, thank you very much for joining us today on this Outer podcast. Thank you so much, Ilse, for having me and doing this for us. Thank you. And if you liked this podcast, please share it with your friends. Read more at auta.io.za.